No matter who you are, where you are, or what you celebrate, it's only one thing I have to say this holiday season. Hen... Shin... Can you hear it? Can you hear it? It's the bells. Oh, the bells and the snowdrift. And what's that? Oh, oh, oh. A dead cop. Happy Honda Days. Go Common Ride with me. Common Ride by Slater Knight. And today we're looking at uh, Common Rider Kuga with a whole cast of people. <laughs> First off is uh, me, Kip, and then there is... Um, Here's new to the crew, um, like Steph. Hi, Steph. <laughs> hey, Kip. We're starting out strong, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and our uh, most cougarific guest, Pocky Squirrel. Cougarific is an excellent word. Yes. It works, right? It does. <laughs> yeah, but um, this is um, perhaps our least holiday-themed episode of Cop and Ride by Slay Tonight, our uh, holiday-themed month, but... It's the right time for it, regardless. It's, not, it's always the right time for Kuga. And you know what? I was thinking about it while you were doing the intro, and I don't even think Kuga has a Christmas episode. Yeah, right? That like happens sometimes in like cool ways, but not this year, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to even think of, like, it was leading, leading into the end game around Christmas, because I mm-hmm. think Kuga started airing in January, had a cycle that worked that way. Um... But yeah, they didn't like they didn't acknowledge the fact that it was Christmas. They didn't they didn't really do anything with it. Because it's like snowing in the last couple episodes of Kuga, right? Well, when he goes into the mountains. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was actually um, raining because that was kind of like where they were building that whole theme of uh, him seeing the blue skies. Yeah. Just pouring rain in the city. And then once they get up into the mountains, then there's snow. Right. And God, what good imagery, too. But, but these are not even the episodes that we're supposed to be talking about today. <laughs> I know. We, we just jumped to the end of it. <laughs> um, spoilers? <laughs> spoilers? Yeah, a little bit. There's weather. There's lots of weather, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. And, well, I mean, they didn't have a uh, Christmas episode, but it's like those people who, around Christmas, they always want to watch Die Hard. We can say that that's what we're doing by doing this uh, Kuga podcast episode. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know on that one. But hey, it's a stretch, but, you know, sometimes you got to reach. Kuga is to die hard as I don't even know what the other half of that analogy would be. I, you know what? I'll bet if we put our heads together, we can come up with the rest of it. I'm going to say that I'm not sure if we have that in us right now, so I'm going to say oh. <laughs> I know why. Towards I don't. that theme of holiday, <laughs> um, something I've been asking like um, different people as they come on, like both um. So I'm not really a holiday person, not really like a r- religious person, but I've been like asking people like, what do they kind of like do for the holidays or like the vague holiday season that seems to happen towards the end of fall and like the start of winter. So I am not. I as a matter of fact, I am. The most anti-holiday person. I hate Christmas. My wife and kid call me the Grinch because I don't want to do anything with decorations mm-hmm. or Christmas music or Christmas movies or anything. I just have always disliked the holiday so much. But um, I try and be as non-cranky as possible for their sake. So we usually end up going to um, go uh, down to my in-laws uh, in San Antonio and we'll spend... Uh, like the long weekend with them around Christmas time because they do a big Christmas celebration and everybody comes over and everything. So I think we're still going to do that this year, but it's going to be a lot smaller because obviously of everything that's going on right now. So we'll still get yeah. to see a little bit of family anyway. And um, then I will have survived another Christmas and don't have to think about it again for 365 more years. Days. Ooh, years. days. I yeah. wish years, but yeah, days. Vampire math. <laughs> And, and you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. Um, my family is really, really big on Christmas. It's like, 
heavy, heavy tradition on on both sides, my husband's side of the family and my side of the family. And we typically go like two or three different places and celebrate multiple times and exchange gifts and the whole like shebang. And it's always the same. And it's been the same for years. And and this year, you know, for obvious reasons, it can't it can't be like that. But this year also we have a new house. So I think what's going to happen is that in smaller groups, people are going to come over here and we can have like nice little socially distant celebrations with them and not like congregate as a big group. And they can like hit your house with like bottles of like champagne and stuff or like whatever you do when you like actually get a house. I'm not sure because that sounds like a lot. (laughs) I think you just described when you get a new boat. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, my house is not a starship. Um, it would be real cool if it was, but you can do like um. My friends instead of doing a housewarming because her and her husband had already lived together forever by the time they bought a house, they did a. They had their friends do a fill the bar, so they would come over with um you know different bottles of wine and alcohol and stuff, and that's just build up that storage instead of having to worry about like furniture and appliances and stuff. That sounds excellent. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's not as useful if they throw them against the side of the house. <laughs> Once again, I'm pretty sure you're thinking of boats. <laughs> okay. And, I don't you know, know. You know, we, we sort of, we sort of did do that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were here uh, painting and, and fixing things and, and just like getting the place ready to move in. And we had a bottle of wine, but we left the bottle opener at the apartment. So we're just like frantically Googling, how do you uncork a bottle of wine with no bottle opener? And my husband found the method where like you stick the bottle into I've a shoe. i got the saber. <laughs> oh. you, you stick the bottle into a shoe and you beat the shoe against the wall until the cork comes out. Oh my goodness. Because physics, question mark, I... <laughs> It worked. <laughs> oh, good. But I, I was just waiting for you to talk about how you had to clean wine off your wall. That's great. Yeah, no. But I guess if you if you want to get technical, we did we did beat a bottle of alcohol against the wall of our garage for a while. So, okay, I take it back, Kip. You were right. I was wrong. That sounds like a way to get like a wish if you're in Berlin, not like a way to open a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, that works for you. <laughs> That is fantastic. It it worked. Wine was consumed. That's all that matters. That is all that matters in the end. And now the bottle opener is here. Uh, oh, that shoe? <laughs> no, the actual <laughs> bottle opener. We we made sure to bring it over to the house after that happened. Uh, I don't know if you could persuade me to ever open wine any other way if I opened it with a shoe. I'm sorry. I would just be like, guys, watch what I'm about to do. <laughs> well, on the secondary like market, like you can get like good money for like baby shoes never wind. My <laughs> fault. Yeah. That's at least like a good story. Like yeah, much I, better than just having wide. You'll always have that story for And that's good. I I like having stories. Yeah, and um it's just a very hectic time, but um I think um worth noting though is that um part of the reason for um this group of people is a uh, one I felt for a while that it's been like a little neglectful not to look at like and do like an intro to Kuga, just given the fact that it's readily like available for people in like legally obtainable ways, which is huge for Toku and like for like Kamen Rider. Uh, <laughs> like there's just like not a lot. It's like only just this year like that became like a thing for like a lot of shows. Um, and also we added you to the cast, Steph, and um, you've seen Tokusatsu Gaga ga, ga. Ga, ga, ga. which was more of a drama about liking toku than like a straight toku show so i was like okay gotta make sure she she sees some common rider what's a good one what's available and then like it's like kind of like a once you give a podcast like a kuga like then you get like a pocky squirrel i think like it's just like that will happen though like when you say i'm thinking of doing like a like kuga episode you, you, you don't even have to invite me i just kind of show up yeah she's like at the door <laughs> knock knock she was just waiting she she heard kuga and her head popped up and she was like yeah i'll be there i didn't wait no wait <laughs> feel free to um correct me pocky but like i'm gonna give like the um frame of reference vaguely on like what 
Kamen Rider is and like what like Kuga is like in the world of like Toku. <coughs> and to that, um, so there are like a couple big franchises for Toku as far as like TV franchises. Um, Kamen Rider is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, like depending on like certain thoughts. Like there's stuff like Ultraman, there's stuff like Super Sentai, which is what Power Rangers is based off of. So Kamen Rider is like vaguely set into like different eras based off of like who was the emperor of Japan at the time, <laughs> which sounds kind of weird, I know. But um, the era that um, Kuga's starts is uh, the Heisei era. And um, that is long enough. It's kind of split into like a part one, part two, like Heisei and like Neo Heisei, like depending on like who you asked. But Kuga is like the start of like the whole thing and like in the first part of it. And uh, it like there had been like a pretty long hiatus, like from like the late 80s to the late 90s, like 2000 when Kuga comes out. And uh, that is kind of like a like um, in the 90s, like there had been like a few movies, but not much for like Ryder. And yeah, so uh, the big thing with Ryder is um, belt, angst, motorcycles and kicks. <laughs> and yeah, um. What else would you and like a Broadway Pocky say like somebody needs to know like super top level about like what Kamen Rider is? Hmm. You know, like thematically, I, I think that it's important to recognize that typically Kamen Rider as a hero is not so much about where you get your power from as how you use it. Because most mm -hmm. often common riders either actively get their powers from the same source as the evil that they're seeking to fight, or their powers are identical to. And, and that's a theme that gets explored particularly deeply in, in Kuga, is how the hero and the villains are alike each other and what separates them. Mm -hmm, yeah. And like, I love when big franchise, like themes get like a proper noun like i'm big on like proper nouns personally and um the one for common rider is especially strong in that um like 15 years after kuga it's like when this first gets the name but it's called um the cross of fire which i think is badass <laughs> but that's just me <laughs> it's like first said in like the last episode of common rider wizard where like where like decade shows up like Baki, i think so it's like a weird like wiki thing but also i'm a little mixed on wiki things but i like that like at least like this concept has like a name on it <laughs> but yeah so um that's really all you need to know going into rider and um with that let's um take a beat and i'm um, like switch over to talking about And we are back. So for our intro to Kamen Rider Kuga, we looked at the first 12 episodes as kind of like a whole little like a sampling of everything that you can really get from Kuga. And uh, there's a lot of names. So just to go through uh, really quick, uh, there is episode one, Revival. Episode two, Transformation. Episode three, Tokyo. Episode four, Sprint. Episode five, Distance. Episode six, Azure Dragon. Episode seven, Grief. Episode 8, Archer. Episode 9, Siblings. Episode 10, Fierceness. Episode 11, Promise. Episode 12, Teacher. And I'm super thankful because later shows will have like long names like the like Cross of Memory slash M of the Mystery and it's like that kind of thing. So it's much more doable than that. <laughs> Even like some of the older shows too. You know, I was thinking about like Christmas episodes on Ryder and there's one from the original series that's like... Mm -hmm. Wolfman's wild murder party or something like that. <laughs> that that's a Christmas episode. That sounds like a band name, and you know what? I'm calling it. No, a lot of early writer stuff is like that. Um one of my favorite names from early writer is um in Come Writer X, he's fighting like people based off of like historical figures, and there's one that's an ant based off of Al Capone, just called Ant Capone. Oh my goodness. I really like that one. <laughs> mm, monster wolf man's huge murder party that's the name of it 
<laughs> Featuring Ant Capone. <laughs> There's one called Genghis Khan Condor. <laughs> There's part of me that's like, just call them Genghis Condor. Come on. Got this, <laughs> it's like they did it on purpose. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. Um, so looking at Kuga, like, what are our reactions to the show? Like, um, first from you, Steph, I guess, like having not seen like the show or like writer before. Like, um, I would just say that I really, really enjoyed um, because of when it was shot and uh, mm-hmm. the whole aesthetic and the effects. It gave me like that really heavy uh, sense of nostalgia for the 90s. And that's actually something that I wrote a note about because I just enjoyed that so much. Um, but I also loved the camera work more than probably I have a lot of things I've watched in the past because it was done so well. And it like they always found a way to provide the most um, intense way to view every shot, even if it was just trying to capture an emotion or like capturing how bloody a battle was or whatever it was like the camera work was some of the best I feel like I've ever seen in a show before. So those were just like my my right off the top of my head thoughts about or it. Or like those moments where they're standing there talking about something and the camera starts circling around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It gives you like this point of view that makes you feel, you know, almost like you're standing right there with them listening to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that um, like in music, like there's this like um, like concept of like a wall of sound where like, sa- like songs have just like gotten louder and like as loud as they can. And like, as, as full of your ears as they can basically like just trying to keep your like attention and like i think like um with like the way that a lot of like things are shot and like presented nowadays that's happening with like information and like in like in like sometimes a like literal sense like i liked that there was Mm -hmm. like things here that weren't meant like there were shots that had like some absence of like meaning or like maybe didn't even like fit like like very literally what was going on but just like they weren't trying to constantly like present information to me which i really liked yeah yeah like it almost was like um everything nowadays is so overstimulating um and just like with your example with music to the point where i mean some of it is downright unlistenable because so much quality has been sacrificed in the audio and that was one of the things that I enjoyed about this show was that sometimes it was just a nice shot of the ocean or it was just, you know, some kids playing. And it was just to add to the atmosphere. It wasn't trying to constantly bomb your senses with all these different things going on. So it it made it almost relaxing, despite the fact that it was, you know, very much an intense action show. Yeah, you know, and especially like even within the Common Rider franchise, if you're comparing series to each other, Looking at the Mm -hmm. last few years of Kamen Rider, looking at X-Aid, looking at Zero One, looking at Saber, you know, things have have just gotten like louder and flashier and the belts make a ton of noise and have like really loud, long announcement jingles Mm -hmm. um, for each different like gimmick and each different power set that they use. And and, and Mm -hmm. Kuga, by comparison, just does things so quietly and with so much subtlety and and the meaning is still there you know you're not being Mm -hmm. beaten over the head with it but they they show us these things for for a reason and and kuga has fantastic rewatch potential because of that you know you go back and you notice things that you didn't notice before i've seen the show uh six or seven times through at this point and i'm still noticing new things every time i watch it again yeah, I, I'm definitely already planning a rewatch just because it's it was so nice, especially after like, because I would watch it every day after work, just a couple episodes every night, kind of, you know, get on top of it. And um, I, I just found that it was after a day of like having to constantly process information, it was such a great show to kind of just relax to. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see that becoming almost like a crutch. No, yeah. Um, I really love the first phase of like um the modern like common writer shows just because like each of them do kind of have that same element like um they aren't as straightforward about like the gimmick as much as they are like a story about like some people going through like a like um very like trying time in their life and like i really do like um the way that like a lot of them are like dramas that occasionally 
get into action as well, which is like very interesting to look at. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I felt more like I was um, watching a show about a bunch of people interacting with each other. And a couple of them just happened to have like some really spectacular abilities. It wasn't that I was watching a show just waiting for like blood and fighting. It was, you know, I was watching these people play out their lives in a, I have felt like a very realistic way, especially with the way that they engaged with each other. It, it's, it's a little bit like watching the X-Files because it's a show that has elements of the fantastic, but it's very much rooted in the real world. And it's very much reflective of the real world. Even while these nonsensical things are happening, you know, you care as much or more about what the people are doing, what the relationships between the people are. Even the uh, even the supporting cast members, characters that you might not see for like six episodes at a stretch, and then they come back and you're like, how are they doing? I haven't seen you in a while. You're you're a person with a personality, you know? Right. And that's a fantastic way to put it. Yes, very much like X-Files in that way. And I, I've always liked shows like that, where it makes you feel like you're still in the real world, but just a real world where, you know, uh, you might get slaughtered by a unicorn at a gas station. Yeah. You know. yeah. And, and and you don't just care about the monsters. You don't just care about, you know, what, what power Godai is going to pull out of his ass to save the day this time. You don't just care about the UFOs. Mm-hmm. You don't just care about the conspiracy theories. You, you care about you know, what's going on in these characters' lives and what goes on in their heads. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's that's a great way to describe it, yes. <laughs> and I like how there's also space, because, like, there's definitely a version of this show that, like, exploits having side characters more in, like, a way where they don't just have space to not be on screen or, like, not be doing stuff that's, like, plot-relevant. Like, there's definitely, like, a version of this where, like, like, there are four different people who also get writer powers or, like, get, like, deep, like, examinations and i like that like there's certain people like oh yeah like i just work in the morgue and that's enough like it's not Mm -hmm. yeah completely so one thing that i think um that you see being chased a lot by like a lot of other writer shows and like the franchise as a whole is that very first scene um where we meet yusuke and he's just like helping that kid and talking to him like about like being lost and being brave like that has been mm-hmm. referenced or that has been kind of like reshot a lot of times in the franchise. And like, it, it's very much like it just feels like they like immediately got something so pure to like what the show was going to be. Cause it's, it's different from like the seventies and eighties shows, but like, it's also like this weird space where it's like, not like a lot of the shows that come after it. So like that first, like whole scene with that kid is something that like, they've just been trying to, reach that same height and like seem to like keep chasing it forever. Yeah. And I can understand why, because what an impactful way to introduce his character. I mean, he's literally doing nothing but, you know, juggling and trying to keep this kid calm and make him smile. And, you know, just being the kind of person that you would want to find your kid if they ran off in a crowd, honestly. And it was just, I think that it set him up as a character and, you know, as a future hero, just in a way that, I don't know that they could have really done it any other way to make it make you immediately understand what type of person that you were going to be following the rest of the show. From the jump, you know exactly who Godai is and what his values are. And that's something Mm -hmm. that the show keeps circling back to as the story progresses. And and the thing that that he really needs to, like, hang on to to maintain himself over everything that he goes through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like I think too that um like there's just like when you compare like a lot of the shows before this they presented your main character as like somebody who is like um a genius general sci-fi scientist and like a world-class like motorcycle racer and then like with him he's much more just like I didn't realize until this watch actually how much he just kind of presented like kind of as like that um like that perfect like young man kind of character like he's like paired like a lot to like a himbo and like a, a, a like head empty character <laughs> but he's like um he he's such like a youthful and nice and knows people but is always going places like he's much more like an he's very much like an ideal like almost like a goku but like not quite like he's like he feels like what it's like to be like 
full of energy and like in this like weird like liminal space in life like too mm-hmm. and then that kind of um is also something with like the way he dresses and like even the way that like um he looks as kuga i never realized like it had always kind of like um looked different from other writers to me but like on this time like i like kind of noticed like how boyish Kugo looks as well, which is like something that like you like might not realize. Like there's something very like juvenile, like about like the actual like armor itself. Yeah. It, it kind of looks like if you um, asked like a 10 year old to draw what a superhero's armor should look like, it, like it fit his personality and the way that he looks at the world so perfectly to me that it, as soon as I saw him transform for the first time, I was like, ah, oh, that makes sense. Like, there was nothing about it where I was like, mm, that's a bit too butch or anything like that. It was just, you know, it just, it fit. It was perfect for him. I, I love the suits on Kuga so much. You know, they're, they're, they're streamlined and almost minimalistic in a way that a lot of rider suits just aren't. You know, it, it, it pairs down what you expect a rider to look like. And at this point, we have several different, you know, very different examples of what riders look like and they all have a few elements in common you look at kuga you know immediately that you're looking at a common rider but you're you're not seeing you know a lot of the you don't see the scarf anymore like you saw in the showa era and you're not seeing you know like the big bells and whistles that you see on um some of the more recent suits he's it, it's just clean in a way that i really appreciate and what's interesting about it, you know, when when you think about how minimalist and how, like you said, almost boyish it ended up looking, the design process, how they how they came ultimately to what Kuga looks like is fascinating. And they went all over the place with it. I'm going to have to find the thread again. But there was somebody who just like did a deep dive into all of the previous designs that had been compiled in a book that I think I own somewhere. Um <laughs> <laughs> and and just like how many different places they went with with the motifs and the different weapons and the different forms before they finally settled on what we ended up with. And like too, like it's like such an iconic look just for how simple it is. It's just about like letting you know that like this is like a hero and like it's just like it's so clear and like all the forms in this show have that in common. And like one thing I like very strongly feel is that there are is like a form or two that gets like introduced in like weird multiverse shenanigans later that isn't even technically like this version of the character mm. that I don't think share that. <laughs> you're you're speaking of Rising Ultimate, aren't you? Yes. It's a multiverse thing and it's I don't consider that to be canon to the actual like main universe honestly it, it just looks so different he you know he he is he is a kuga he is a kuga but he's he's a very very different looking kuga he's kind of like a like a bulky spiky mess in comparison to all of his other forms he's an earth tuga <laughs> how's that but no um yeah and um something else is that um there's often like attributed to the series is um this thing called the odigiri effect which is that like oh this show's popular because like the main character is like attractive and like moms like him and stuff and like that's why the leads are attractive but i that's kind of put like has like a weird tidbit but i felt like the show very like with fandom stuff like that gets treated as like weird subtext where i'm much more like i think that's just like text at a certain point like He's this like very like um nice, handsome, like smiling dude the whole time in like leather pants. The second scene of him in the whole series is a camera shooting up as he's squatting in leather pants to climb. It's just, just a camera barrel up at his ass <laughs> as he's trying to climb into a window. And I was watching this and I was like, I know this is my first time watching this in like HD on like a TV, but like I I like the quality is not that good. Like this is just a very clearly like a shot down the barrel up at his ass. And I was like, people treat like the Odegiri <laughs> effect. Like, oh yeah, people like the show because the characters are handsome. Isn't that strange? Like, no, that's like on the screen. 
That's like textual. <laughs> Thought he was in the background. And and like and I would I would argue that for Common Rider in particular, it was it was already there. You know, it's baked yeah. into the foundations of the franchise because you go back and you watch the nineteen seventy one series and oh my god, Hongo is an attractive man. And and they just like have his shirt half unbuttoned and he's in tight white pants. I'm just like, Are you kidding me right now? This did not originate with Kuga. Maybe Kuga brought a like attention to what was happening and 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 i don't know like maybe the secondary demographic like the mom demographic acknowledged their interest in a way that they hadn't in previous series but man hot protagonists were were already there yeah they were constantly wearing like ascots and stuff and going in the ocean and coming out in like their wet like denim shirts and ascots or like there's like one common rider um who was just wearing like bright like skin tight like sweaters with an S on it the whole time. It's just like yeah, like it's very much like it's been there. And and also and also common rider <laughs> Amazon exists. You know, the man spent half of his own series wearing fringed hot pants and nothing else. Cuz he's a friend. Amazon friend. <laughs> Tomodachi. That's incredible. And like I think um it's very inescapable to me that like um there are like a lot of like there's a lot of like shipping and like queer readings of like common rider shows and like i think um that's part of it but also just like um it seems like it's just in the text how much you like you see like a lot of these male characters in the franchise care for each other and like that is like very present in kuga as well like, there's like long intense scenes of them looking like in their eyes and that kind of stuff and talking about caring about each mm-hmm. other and just yeah what do you feel about the the shipping in Kuga, Pocky? Well, I'm for it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's fair. I, 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 I had to keep that short. I mean, that's like that's an yeah. episode in and of itself. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a shipper to begin with, but that that dynamic between Godai and Ichijo, you know, that's. That that's good quality stuff. So much of the series revolves around the evolution of their relationship. And for me at least, it's it's real easy to read romance and attraction into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could hear you like inhaling like a weather system when you decide <laughs> to say I'm for it instead of going to that. Like, that was wild. I was like, oh wow, that's a lot. <laughs> She bottlenecked so badly on all the things she wanted to say just then. That was the tensest inhale I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I think that that just, like, stands as testament to how much I'm trying to, like, rein myself in during this conversation. Because, man, I, I'm so hyped for Kuga. And Kuga, just, like, as a show and as a show that's had an impact on my life individually. This, this show means so damn much to me. You know, I can't, I, I can't like understate that enough. No. Yeah. It's a, like, just it's so well done and so iconic. It's so moody in all the best ways as a show. Um, and like one thing is, um, I hate having to say somebody's name after reading it forever, but I, did not realize until this watch how much it how much um for Ichijo um he is just like a like hard boiled protagonist like a Philip Marlowe type just like dealing with this monster stuff like he's just like oh yeah like I don't have to worry about like my fractured ribs and like collapsing in like an elevator stuff and like shooting people and it not working he's very mm-hmm. much like his own mm-hmm. protagonist too in like a very cool way. Yeah, and that's a that's a thing that he and Godai have in common with one another, and something that they kind of come to a mutual understanding on and form their relationship around is that they are just really, really bad at taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Taking mm-hmm. care of other people. And those very, very focused. Exactly. Yeah. That was going to be exactly yeah. where I went with that. That is all they care about. The people that they care about, that's all that they want to focus Protecting on. other people comes first. And if I'm hurt, that doesn't matter. I'll deal with it after I'm done protecting other people. Right. Especially mm-hmm. you, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So yes. they just like constantly fling themselves into peril for each other and 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 it's like like they're scolding one another for doing the exact same thing that yeah. they themselves are doing. Exactly. 
And like, um, <laughs> no, I'm the butch. No, I'm the butch. <laughs> and like, um, I might like, uh, I'm not super into like, um, 90s, like, I'm not super aware of, I guess, 90s yaoi like manga, but like, I know that like there was like mainstream stuff that was like not actually quote unquote gay, but was like written for women and like gay men stuff that like had this exact dynamic as like best selling stuff too. So it just like feels like intentional to me, like almost that like there is that tension there too. It's like this is like such mm-hmm. an easy dynamic, like the slightly older, like more put upon person. And like the very fresh faced like young person yeah but, but i mean some of the dynamics at, at least to me were a little bit unique in how i read them anyway so i wasn't really surprised by that one but the first time you ever meet his sister the way she's looking at him i did not get that she was his sister i was very confused after they announced that so I don't know. She just the way she looked at him was very much like the way that girls in soap operas look at the handsome guy. So I I was confused for a whole minute. That was definitely something where I was like, huh, like this seems like a little like weird in the way that's like presented. But um, there's just a lot of energy coming around this time. <laughs> that's for sure. I really love the um in the first episode. When he has his white form, um, like known as like um, Kuga growing form, mm. I love that fight scene. Like I love whenever we see like a like incomplete Kamen Rider power, like a level zero power, and like this show does like such a great job like establishing like how weird like the Grongi are and the way that like with bullets they like indent in their skin and then like just like fall out. It's very weird and like. It feels very dangerous that first episode, like even when there is like the fight, like with the powers, just really like yeah, yeah, that's that's something else that I really appreciate and and value about Kuga is that Kuga does not, it, Kuga is just like peak show don't tell. Kuga doesn't explain anything to the audience, and it doesn't explain anything to the characters either. You know, you feel like you're on the journey with them, kind of like figuring out as as you go. I like that Godai doesn't know how to be mm-hmm. Kuga and takes really the entire series to figure out how to be Kuga. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, like worth noting is um, I'm pretty sure the version that you had, Steph, was um, the version with the Grongi language subtitled. Um, that's a big debate in the fandom of Kuga that like original broadcast of Kuga, whenever uh-huh. th- like w- whenever they're talking like the Grongi, that isn't subtitled. That is just presented as another language that is not translated. Oh, so it wasn't meant for the audience to understand. Um, I so I have a copy without it translated. And there's part of it's like, maybe I should watch it with a translator. It's like have kind of like a knowledge of what happens in Kuga. But um, in like that, like original broadcast, like there are just whole seeds of people talking in like aquariums that wasn't translated. Oh, wow. That would have definitely added an interesting dynamic, I think. I got in fights with people on Twitter over this um, when the official release happened, and and it came with the Grongi translation and not even, like, an option of whether you choose to have the Grongi translation or not. Um, when I was first introduced to the series, there there was kind of, like, an understanding within the fandom of you watch it without the translation first. And then upon a rewatch, you can go back and watch it with the Grongi translation and and get that context and and not, you know, without having to like spoil yourself. But I, I think that having that translation there makes it more accessible. You know, certainly you lose some of the mystery and and some of the authenticity of watching it as it would have originally aired. But F that, we're here to have fun, you know? And 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 we're exactly and we're that. here to get people to watch more common writers. So I think that anything that makes it accessible to a wider audience. And you know, when I've heard people tell me, I I was intimidated by the fact that I was going to have to watch Kuga twice, and now I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, fandoms can gatekeep some really strange things, and you know, that's one of those things where you know your personal preference is your personal preference, but you can't tell someone the right or wrong way to consume media. It, it just it it will always cause you know that amount of controversy or that amount I of vitriol. I agree in some completely. People, so. 
for me personally, I think Kuga sounds better in like the like original Latin, but that's just me. <laughs> oh, you got Latin, I got Sanskrit. Okay. That's so weird. Oh yeah, well. Uh <laughs> limited edition release. <laughs> and like I don't think like um things get too spoiled in the translation of the Grogni language. Cause like it's mostly just details about what's going on currently. It's not like they're like, oh, in the last episode, I can't wait till this happens. Like I'm pretty sure it's pretty just some stuff explained, but yeah. It, it's it's mostly yeah, trash it's, talk. Uh, mostly them talking. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. They're talking smack to each other most of the time. That's that's exactly what it is. They, they talk smack to each other. They talk smack to Kuga. They talk smack about Kuga. You know, everybody just like craps on Goma 24-7. When they all brag about how many bodies they're going to have. That's, I mean, it's like being in a locker room, I guess. I, yeah, and like I love the way they all look too, where they just have like their fun, like little like markings and their like weird outfits. Like, cause I, in my head, I'm kind of imagining it like the Terminator where like they like left their mass grave or like randomly found some clothes to put them on, but like maybe they were in those. Like, I'm not sure, but like they all have such great outfits and everything and hair. It reminded me of that movie, The Warriors, which I'm probably dating myself by making that reference, but that is the first thing I thought of when they did the, um, they showed the guys in the city scene. That was my first exact thought right there with their mohawks and their leather vests and stuff. And like something I love is that, um, a lot of the older effects, I think, look better than like better effects because they like look strange. Like they look like they're not part of this world. Like, mm hmm. Mm hmm like the costumes and stuff like that scene where um this random guy on a bike is like oh like some people are in the road for me to harass and then just gets like kicked into like the ceiling oh yeah and just falls to the oh ground bleeding God, that was probably one of my favorite scenes god she's she's like, so um, great yeah she's great <laughs> oh gosh yes she was my favorite it's sad that she left us so soon yeah that is it though like there are some great some great villains and writer um I really like actually um what did you think the first time Steph looking at um when we see um the first full like red kuga fight scene in the church what do you think mm. of that scene Oh my god it was amazing I literally put down um Father Jose with a heart in my notes because I just I fell in love with his character immediately like I loved that creepy bat thing he had going on but on top of that, just like all the colors and the way that everything was lit up. And, you know, it's the first time you see uh, him and the detective really have to try and, you know, watch each other's backs. That was just an amazing scene. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And like, um, I'm like this scene is maybe like one of the most iconic scenes for Kuga as well. And like, it's very well done. And like one thing, too, is like I like how um it's also understated, like compared to like there's lots of fight scenes with fire and like weird destruction in Kuga that don't feel as flashy as they might be in like later shows or like different movies too. So it's kind of like very mm -hmm. nice as fight scene goes. Yeah. Um, and like, I, um, do like to, um, how they do in the fight scenes, like their themes are great. Like there's like a lot of like cool, like city jazz infused scenes and like weird, like weird remixes of the opening, like in a lot of fight scenes. Oh yeah, the mm -hmm. background music is is so great in in some of those moments. And now I'm kicking myself for having left the belt at the apartment, <laughs> and it's it hasn't moved over to the new place yet <laughs> because I I have the CSM uh, of of Kuga's belt and it plays the songs, so you can just like walk oh, cool. around as Godai with this belt on and, and have that like ambient sound, you know, and, and the atmosphere of the show contained in that. Oh man, that would be how I did my house cleaning every weekend. No. Yeah. They um have this thing called a complete selection modification that are like adult sized version of like the various belts. And like um one, it's kind of weird sometimes to think of Kuga as being a show meant to sell toys to kids compared to some like, later writer shows that are more clearly doing that but like mm -hmm. yeah like um i love how cool <laughs> like those like near prop replica versions of like the belts look though they're very nice yeah that sounds really neat i'm gonna have to look that up when we're done yeah it's a it's a pretty uh it's a pretty excellent toy you know i i own at this point a lot of kuga stuff 
a lot of cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I think that probably that belt is is like the centerpiece of the collection. It's 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 the best Kuga item I own. It's so satisfying. If you have an extra three hundred dollars lying around, cool. by all means, pick it up. Yeah, it might be my Christmas present to myself. I'm thinking. I wonder if it's in stock anywhere. I'm gonna have to check. <laughs> Are there other writers that you collect stuff for, like Pocky or no? Not really. Uh, not not to half the extent that I collect Kuga stuff. I have a fair amount of stuff for O's, which is my other favorite. But mostly, like I, when I'm at smaller events or conventions, when conventions were a thing. Um, I, I would like encourage people to have common rider merch by buying it when I saw it. So I have like this hodgepodge of random figures and characters, but mostly like I buy things based on, do I like this character? When I first started mm-hmm. watching the show, my, my first series yeah. was drive and I bought the belt entirely because the belt is a character and I like him. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. <laughs> not, not because I especially like Drive, you know, but because I especially like that character and I wanted a representation of him. No, and like the fact that you that you like O's is like very funny because like that's one of the shows that like I would say the second like in that second phase is the most like Kuka as well. It's like very much like in that same area of like trying to like hit those same notes. But yeah, um, for me, I my first and like favorite show his fives mm. and then my anniversary is on september 13th which is 913 <laughs> which is like kicks a day <laughs> so that kind of works out for me nice so steph there's this character in cover writer fives um who's known as a bit of a um yeah uh <laughs> he's a jerk he's a jerk <laughs> More than that, but um, he's like a very, he's a character that would take a lot of examination, but the actor is apparently really nice. So there's like stuff like I have like the Hello Kitty crossover with like his character, even though his character shouldn't be anywhere near Hello Kitty and that kind of stuff. Oh my. (laughs) I actually just finished um, the whole, the Fies and um, the Deno Riders like hello kitty like collection now and that's good but like oh man like a kuga one would look great for that like on um, the like crossover actually i know i'm I'm super sad that there is no <laughs> hello kuga Ooh, that'd be good i actually just picked up a hello fives as a present for somebody yeah i you might have scooped me actually because i was looking for like a fives from like um kotetsu toys or um like i forget their name and like it wasn't like in stock one day and i was like oh no and then <laughs> i'm so sorry I'm, like still <laughs> That was me. <laughs> to go back, though, um, one of my favorite scenes in this whole run, though, has to be the first fight scene with the bike mm. where you just see like um, them going through this like abandoned like apartment building with like a stairwell that reads Neo Geo Tokyo Bayside Metal Angels. <laughs> and like just like... <laughs> I love the way that like they just bring the bike everywhere and have this whole fight scene with the bike inside this building like going on. Oh yeah, like Like the bike is going uh, up hills and upstairs and upstairs, yeah, boxes and over different obstacles. Like the entire series, the bike is places where bikes really ought not be. Places where bikes have no business being, but there's a bike here anyway. And then there's fights on the bike, and yeah, because of course, because common rider. Yeah. Yeah. And like um laws change in Japan at some point that make it so you can't have like modified modified cars and bikes on the road that like really hamper how much bikes are used in Kamen Rider, mm-hmm. but I love how much get used in like Kuga, honestly. Uh and yeah, um one other part of like this whole run is we get to see the different forms for Kuga and I personally think they're all introduced very well in like the mystery of them and like how like randomly like um he realizes, oh crap, I can grab this like pipe and have like a like staff kind of thing. And like it's very Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy it. It's that. like a different form every other episode and and you really see the characters reacting to this and like, oh wow, he can do this too. Oh wow, this is a power that he has. What else can he do? How far is this gonna go? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And the way that they kind of, um, they're always situationally introduced um, is really cool. Yeah, like he wants to be able to do something and then like he uncontrollably is stuck trying to do that. Mm -hmm. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Instead of it just being like opening up with him being this overpowered, you know, being that is just like, oh, look what I can do and just kind of wrecking things from the start. He's not collecting something. He's like being like at the same time where he's getting like scans and like it and like people saying, hey, this is like spreading through your body and making you stronger and like making your bones all weird. and You're not human anymore. He's like, oh, that's cool. And then he's like randomly just kind of getting new powers, not being able to control it like versus collecting in later shows. Yeah, it it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed the way that they played out that whole thing. Agreed. Agreed completely. My favorite has to be the gun, though, in, like, Pegasus form. Mm. Just, just like, here's this gun. <laughs> oh, all, oh, all of the bits where Kuga is just holding a regular gun are just gun. so so memeable. Yeah. We'll stop this mass murder with the power of friendship with this gun I found. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, uh, I do like to actually... Um, the most ship worthy or like the most scene of the connection between Yusuke and like and like um like Hitcha Joe has to be the scene in like episode 10 where like Kuga had been fighting this like squid monster and like getting messed up like his armor getting destroyed it looks really cool too like 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 the pieces getting like oh yeah he got like melted like on his shoulder mm-hmm. it was melted in or something like that yeah and like um there's just like this scene where um he's in the white of like the growing form and then like Hitchajo's like in like the like police and navy and they're sparring and like kendo and like what Yusuke does is just like keeps getting hit in the head as he moves forward until he backs him into a wall mm. and he's like the one that falls down first is like oh my goodness that was so much and then like they both fall down <laughs> like that was a very like that could happen in like a James Bond movie honestly yeah. for how much like tension there was there uh, the, yeah the kendo scene was was pretty uh pretty relationally intense but it also just speaks to like what kind of strategist and what kind of fighter godai is you know that that this is this is his answer okay i can't you know i the only choice that i have to beat this guy is to walk straight into his attack and no, I don't think that that's mm-hmm. a stupid thing to do. I think that that's the only thing that I can do. So I'm going to do it and hang the danger that it puts me in. Right. Yeah. That, I think that describes his fighting style perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just he gets messed up like in like a lot of fights, too. Like he really gets hurt that way. But mm-hmm. it's fun. And like the way that um this show also does, like there's this point where he loses this fight scene versus this like um, rhinoceros like Gronky, mm. and his answer is, "I better just go in the park and kick a tree till I get better at kicking," which I really enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that his solution is not, you know, well, I can't beat this monster by kicking it. I need to come up with something else. The solution is, I need a better kick. <laughs> It was just, it was so much the way you would think that, um, you know, a middle schooler would approach fighting. And I, I, I just, I got such a big kick out of that just because it, uh, it represented his personality. Intended. Right. But He didn't even try his other forms. He wasn't like, oh, maybe I should use my power form versus this like cool power guy. No, I'm just going to kick better. <laughs> yeah, but. Just like um, I like this chunk of episodes because it introduces all of like a lot of the themes of Kuga and like a lot of the powers and stuff. And like, I think it's like a lot of cool, like little arcs too. like there's stuff like the teacher. There's stuff like here's what my sister's concerned about me and stuff. And there's like stuff like here's how the police respect me. And uh, one thing is um, this. I actually for someone who's like has a strong opinion about police i do love the way they're used in this show Mm -hmm. just like it's kind of wild how like (laughs) a lot of these episodes are just like police getting the shit kicked out of them but their eyes gouged out until like he shows up on like a stolen bike basically and tries to like help (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the way that they partnered him with the police. And, um, you, you know, at the beginning, you kind of have this whole thing where the entire police force is even afraid to trust him. And, you know, they have to really plead his case. And the way that the relationship, you know, escalated by the end of the series was really cool, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, uh, so um, like, is there anything that like... um in this run that like we didn't really cover like that, like you wanted to like call to like scenes or like moments or just like, um, you know, this, uh, this, this was in the show notes and, and I always like to warn people who are watching this first run of episodes for the first time. Uh, Kuga does not pass the, does the dog die test? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that was one of my big notes too. I was like, what? Yeah, that is true. So sad. Yeah, so if you if you have a problem with things <clears throat> happening to animals, that's uh what what episode is that? Is that um uh is that's it episode 10? Is it 10? Down. 10. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 where they're storming the lair of the Gronky. Yeah. Yes. It it's a quick moment, but it's a sad one. Mhm. And it's there's nothing like, you know, violent or gory. You just see the dog there and then see him mm. not. So you know what happened. Yeah, but. his uh, his his handler and and this is spoilers but also like content warning. Um there there's a bit after this happens where his handler picks up the collar and there's blood on it and there's blood on his hands, but that's as that's as right. graphic as it gets. Mhm. They do a lot to make the Grongi seem like inhuman in like very interesting ways mm-hmm. just like the way they talk about their game and the way they're going through it, like a lot is said about like how like human the enemies of, of, of the common rider are, but I kind of like the mix they have for like, they're very like, they kind of feel like they're like perversions of like Greek gods almost mm. compared to like other things. Like they're just very much like, Oh yeah. Like let's go kill like 1800 people in like three hours on one foot or whatever. their like weird mission is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. What Kook is from here is a lot of these like feelings just kind of escalate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah, slowly, but they do. By the time you get to the end game, you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> Wait, so Steph, did you watch all of Kuga like up to the end? Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. I must have missed that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I I picked up on that when we uh, when we started talking about um, the snow at the end. I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> what, what I didn't okay, pick up on wow. was that, uh, that I, I get I get a feeling that maybe Steph was not supposed to have watched all of Kuga yet. Oh, uh, for this intro, we're, we only watched one through twelve, but it's fine. Like you can like watch ahead. <laughs> uh, like I don't. Uh, we're probably not going I'm back sorry. to. I'm sorry. Once I started, I couldn't stop. Oh, that's, that's Kuga. <laughs> you, you just want to keep watching it. You want to see know, what the happens next. The next thing we do is not going to be Kuga, but yeah. There's part of me like while watching, I was like, maybe I should like do Kuga like for real. Like I should like have like Kuga be like a like five or like ten part like series. Just like go through all of it. I forgot like when I started the show, I was like very much like, oh, how can I be accessible? And now I'm just like, this is cool. Fuck that. And uh, <laughs> and like, I think like with Kuga, it's like a really good intro to like Kamen Rider. Like, whereas back then I was like, oh, it has to be like Kamen Rider like double or like Kamen Rider like this or that. And yeah, it, I'm glad you liked it, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly a little bit too what? much, but you know, welcome to the cult. <laughs> the next thing that we're looking at like you and me Steph is um one of my favorite sentai shows and I have not watched much much sentai but I really think that you'll like um it's called like Geki Ranger Ooh. and it's like a um yeah <laughs> um it's like a martial arts themed one that spends a lot of time with the villains and it's very good oh that that does sound interesting yeah. and like, actually I'm um, like how much do you watch other series besides the Common Rider Pocky? Actually, um, I've I've watched at this point more Common Rider than I have anything else. But I watch Sentai almost to the same extent. I watch a fair amount of Ultraman. Um, I've started branching out into some things that are not like 
big two superhero time toku shows um mm-hmm. so i'm watching uh chosation grand Caesar right now and that's fantastic okay one show that like i haven't watched forever but like really sticks in my mind is like rukendo that show i really loved when it was on the air people keep recommending me rukendo and i have yet to i have yet to get to that it's interesting because it's kind of like uh know how like there's stuff like in like spider-man where it's about like the people of New York getting behind Spider-Man and connecting with him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Rukendo is about. It's like kind of about like a like small town Toku series. Like it's all about like the shopkeeper talking to the main character and telling him like how people are like feeling. And the series kind of implies too that um, the villains only escalated because the heroes escalated hmm. and they maybe weren't going to attack this town or like, or like be part of this town and also it does have like just spike from buffy show up halfway through that's interesting that's really cool (laughs) but no it's a it's very like 2006 a team's first try at like toku but also it's like very earnest and like different too that is uh, (laughs) not super relevant but um yeah so i guess uh, (laughs) With that in mind, though, um, it, it sounds Kuga-ish, though, in terms of like some of the themes and yeah. motifs, which is probably why people keep recommending that I watch it. It, it has a very head-empty main character too, and in like a fun way. But yeah, um, so with that in mind, um, what are our thoughts on Kuga as like a first show for people? Like a first cover uh, show, definitely recommended. You know, I, I'm of two minds about it. It was not my first. It was one of my first. Um, and I'm glad that it wasn't my first because I feel like had it been my first Common Rider, it would have set me up for some very different expectations of what Common Rider is. I don't think that Kuga is super good representation of the franchise in its entirety, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it's a good way to kind of explore like what Toku can be. And it's just an incredibly solid series on its own. You know, even even if your intention is not to watch any additional Common Rider, Kuga just stands well by itself. Yeah, and Kuga's a great show for the way it treats the themes. Like, it feels like everything you need to know about Common Rider is in Kuga. And, like, you might not have watched enough Common Rider to know that yet or, like, know enough about it yet. But it's very, it's very, like, well-textured. Yeah, like, in, like, a cool space and, like, where and when and how it was produced for that and like it's cool enough where i'd say maybe you can watch it first but yeah like it will kind of affect how you look at like later stuff too mm-hmm. and with that um that is our intro to Kamen Kuga and a very fun show of maybe not the best <laughs> first show but um for you Pocky, uh where do people find you when you're not i guess actually you're one of the few people who they could find you and you're still talking about Toku and Kuga. So where can people find you? Um, I, I am, I am eternally on Twitter at Pocky Squirrel. And I also sometimes do my own podcast, which is the Toku ladies podcast, which can be found also on Twitter. Toku ladies underscore pod. Um, we're coming back in January with an episode about queer baiting, which should be super fun and involve a lot of yelling. So, so yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, that is going to be so freaking interesting. <laughs> if you're if you're out there listening to this and you decide to watch Kuga, definitely like at me on Twitter and tell me what you think of it because I I love seeing people's impressions of this show. Yeah, it's legally available. Like there's just part of me that's like legally. I've been watching Toku for over like 10 years and I'm like this is so cool. You can get it. You can watch it without doing anything. Like just like on an app. Yeah, and it's and it's free. It can be free. It's free. Yeah. It's free with ads or yeah, yes. but yeah. <laughs> but but it's, it's free with tolerable ads, not like the crap that you try to watch on Crunchyroll and the ads break the entire app. Weird ads for like I feel like a weird ad for like nectar matches like that is like, "Hey, is your like adrenaline face soap and your toothpaste full of caffeine not working? Get a new mattress." <laughs> That is very I just aggressive. bought one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're good mattresses, but just bad ads. <laughs> it's because your coffee toothpaste quit working? 
And like, I've also been getting this ad for like uh, this weird Bitcoin, like called Hex. It's all about like, hey, I personally don't have a Ferrari, but I have a Prius and it's a good car. Get into like Bitcoin <laughs> right now and have stability in your life. Oh my gosh. Like, okay, sure. Wow. But no, uh, that's intense. Uh, speaking of um, Bitcoin, um, where people. F- where can people find you, Steph, when you're not talking about Toku? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on another uh, podcast also called, um, oh my gosh, it slipped my mind already. Bulldogs and Dragons? Bulldogs and Dragons, yes. Jeez, I don't know why that happened. Uh, Bulldogs and Dragons is an actual play D&D podcast. Um, and I am also on Twitter at Hatsis. H-A-T-S-I-S. Awesome. Cool. And uh, you could find me um, on Twitter.com at James Forge. And then you could find the podcast um, at Common Ride With Me on Twitter and Instagram. There's CommonRideWithMe.com, which has a full calendar with a couple weeks notice. And that'll um, soon have um, more of our bonus episodes. We looked at stuff like uh, Superhuman Samurai, like Cyber Squad. Nice. Um, we are recording a commentary track with the Rangers playing cast for um, the Masked Rider Furbus's First Christmas like holiday special, which um, oh, that's, should be out that's on gonna be December 24th. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. And I'm also like on that show soon. Um, but like um, every notable American toku from the 90s that had like a like holiday special, we have a like episode like going up for. But uh, <laughs> with that, though, um, <laughs> Please rate and it's not called iTunes anymore, but please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, I think is the big one. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, just the little purple icon that shows up on your phone, whether you like it or not. Yeah, there you go. And um, we also have a email at podcast or um, podcast at copyrightme.com. And you can um, go to copyrightme.com slash merch. And um, from now until January 8th, all of our merch sales go direct towards like eviction defense funds. So what that means is like when you buy like a, there's one person who bought a clock and I don't know that was a joke. And I did say in like previous episode, <laughs> if you buy a clock, tell me about it. Uh, but they haven't got back to me yet. But um, <laughs> that money is going direct helping people who starting on the first of the month are going to need some help to keep their housing and to not be in like an unsecure like situation and like even if it's like a small bit like just um if you want to buy like any merch that will go right to them awesome so yeah very cool with that uh what did we learn today from Kamen Rider Kuga watch Kamen Rider Kuga and when in doubt use physics to kick better <laughs> <laughs>